Hello, hello, guys. So I know we all want to be booked and busy. That is the goal as estheticians. But in order to do so, we've got to be booked. This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to the link in the show notes and enter code TTR22F. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. I am your host, Tessa Zolli. Happy Tuesday. Happy beginning of fall. I feel like there's something magical about fall and the seasonal transition. And speaking of transitions, this is the topic of today's show. I'm so proud to introduce my friend, Courtney Parkhill, who has over 16 years of experience in the industry. She's worked with over 25 product lines, and she's worked in just about every environment there is within aesthetics, from day spas to plastic surgeons' offices to owning her own spa. And Courtney recently moved from Colorado, where she had her very successful spa. She moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and she's undergoing a big change. She now has her own home spa. She's focused on virtual consultations, and she has her own line of amazing products. So I feel like this episode is just going to be great for anyone who's ever wondered, what is there for me within aesthetics once I'm no longer able to give facials anymore? And this is a very real topic we should be talking about. What happens when our bodies are tired or worn down or you just don't have the same excitement you once did working in the treatment room? What options are there for us estheticians? So we're going to talk about it. Courtney has some amazing advice from how to have a long and prosperous career, how to take care of your mind and body while doing so. And we also have a candid conversation about some stigmas around certain topics within aesthetics. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and enjoy Courtney. She is one of my best friends in this industry. She's the person I want to text when I have a question about a product line or I want a second opinion on a client's skin. She knows a lot about business and she's just an amazing person with beautiful energy. So I can't wait to share her with you. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Courtney. How are you feeling? This has been such a transitional period for you. How are you feeling like physically and mentally? So yeah, we've been in Santa Fe, New Mexico, I want to say what, a couple of months now. We moved here from Colorado and um, I'm feeling pretty good. I think the hardest part about any kind of transition is just like all the change and, you know, leaving some of your close clients that you've had for a long time. So I think if I do have any emotions or sadness, it's from that. Um, especially because when I told them I was moving, they were so bummed. 
So I can imagine, especially yeah. being in your hands, it's hard to find a provider like you that cares so much and who's so skilled at facials and then who also has so much knowledge about skincare and creating treatment plans. So oh, would, thank you. I would have been a little bummed too. Yeah. And I think when you've touched someone's face for 16 years or 15 years or however long, it doesn't matter. You know, you have that deep relationship with that person yeah. and they completely trust you with their face. So it's just, you know, so I had about like, I want to say like 30 or 40 really close clients that I was like very sad to say goodbye to. Mm. But on the flip side, like I've already been going virtual since the pandemic, just kind of really slowly because I knew that that was kind of coming for me as I got older and had more chronic pain and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Court, do you mind sharing like how long you've been in the treatment room and, and doing facials? Yeah. So in California, I got my license in San Diego in 2006 and um, started working there for a couple of years before I moved to Colorado and started my own spa in 2008, mm. which is Alpen Glow Skin Spa. So I've been in the treatment room 16 years, but um, only own my own business for 14. It's a long time. Yeah, I mean, it is. This is a major transition and I, I'm sure lots of SDs are listening, no pressure, <laughs> but thinking, <laughs> thinking about the future and how to plan for it. So I'm excited to hear some of your insights as far as how do we have longevity as estheticians in this business? What do you think are like some options for estheticians after they feel like their time is kind of up in the treatment room? Yeah. So I was thinking, I was kind of meditating on this before we talked and, um, cause I've done a lot of the right things, but I've also done a lot of the wrong things that have put me in this position where, you know, my body has worn out and I'm kind of getting close to being done in the treatment room. So, um, I was thinking like some of this, I say, you know, not to be an expert at, but I learned from my own mistakes kind of thing. So I think definitely setting up, um, like therapeutic ways of taking care of your body. Um, hold on. I have my little notes here. So I, about 20 years ago, started getting monthly massages, um, chiropractic work. Like I go get my neck adjusted, my back adjusted every month. Um, I definitely think it's good to like just have that set in, in place so that when you start working in the treatment room full time, you have your monthly appointments where you go get your shiatsu massage or your acupuncture or your chiropractic work, and that's going to help keep your body intact. I love that idea of just having it on the books because mm -hmm. I came to that realization. I remember this so well a couple of months into my first spa job because I, I wasn't used to those motions and sitting in that posture all day. And having such a physically demanding job. So a couple weeks in, I was like, does anybody know a chiropractor? And that actually helped me a lot too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really, it does hurt if you sit in that position yeah. for eight hours a day and you look down at a client's face. Oh what gosh. happens is your the curve in your neck actually starts to go away. So I what? recently got x-rays. And they revealed to me that um, my neck, I, I completely have lost my, my curve in my neck, and it's a complete straight line now. 
Oh my gosh, you're actually yeah. like that little meme of the skeleton. <laughs> yes, I am. I am that meme. That's why, you know, it's so important um, maybe to not work as long in the treatment room. Like, I think, you know, looking back on my career, you know, spending eight to 10 hours a day in the treatment room at the time maybe seemed okay. But looking back, I really wish I could go back and go, you know what, I'm going to increase my prices a little bit higher and I'm going to work a little bit less in the treatment room from the get-go because I started with my pricing so low because I was trying to get clientele in the treatment room. And then, so I'd be like, you know, $65 facials or whatever, like 14 years ago. And then, you know, you're doing so many back to back to back, but it's like, if you just increase your prices from the get-go and you take half of the amount of clients in the treatment room, then you don't have to work as many hours. Totally. And you know, there's nothing wrong with starting with lower prices, but I feel like that's such a good message because a lot of us underprice our value. And I feel like what you're saying, Court, is so good for Estes to hear because you have all this hindsight now, whereas when you're young and you're just starting, you just think, Mm -hmm. oh, I can do this forever. And the reality is you really can't. Just the body does break down. It does. Yep. So definitely, I think um, setting up, you know, your therapeutic treatments for your body and making sure that um, like you and I, you know, create your own skincare line so that you can get your clients on a great skincare routine or use brands that you love and trust Mm -hmm. so that your clients continue to purchase product from you over time. So if you're not in the treatment room, you're still customizing home care routines. You're still working with clients virtually. Um, So you still have a business, even though you might not be in the treatment room physically for that long. Yeah, I think that's so important for us to think about because we can only be giving services for a certain period of time, a certain number of hours per week. But I know for me, one thing I realized really quickly was that I'm not comfortable just relying on my hourly wage, my commission, and having that it. Because, I mean, when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like a reality check. Like, yeah. okay, you could be sitting at home for a few months and have no income. Yes, so I very think scary. retail and having a place where people can shop from you online is so important. Yeah. And it's not just about selling product. Obviously, we're doing this because we love yes. skin, you know? Of course. And and we already, it's like the products we retail, they've got to be good. And we're obviously yes. choosing products we would stake our business on and that we see as solutions. Absolutely. And we use them ourselves. Yes. I mean, how do you decide to bring on a brand? You you get sent a box of product, you use all the product, you read the formulation, you know it back and forth, you test it on everybody in your family, all your friends, yeah. and then you decide to use it. So that's kind of like a tried and true thing. I know you have worked with so many amazing lines over the years. Were there specific qualifications that you have for deciding to bring on a brand? And then separately, how did you decide to evolve into creating your own line? So looking back, everything has changed. So over time, the companies, the brands I used to partner with, um, at the time, they didn't do direct-to-consumer sales. They 
were not sold online. They were only sold by the professional, either at a medical spa, dermatology office, or for a solo esthetician practice like myself. So I think it's hard to lump it all in because everything's changed so much. Like I think during the pandemic, a lot of those brands got a little bit, not desperate, but we all had to kind of generate income. So I think in order for them to stay in business, a lot of those brands had to start marketing to a wider audience and, and, and to stay in business, you know? Yeah. And so. I feel like something that's not so talked about, but it should be, is the commission for each brand. And definitely considering that, I mean, of course you want to rely on the products, but also considering is the commission something that's going to support me? Certain brands are, you know, credit only or very, very low commission. So I think that's something to think on. For me, I like to choose brands that can my clients can easily shop for. I know if it's if it's difficult to order the products, if shipping takes forever or is super expensive, they're gonna just probably buy it somewhere else. Yeah, so that's probably why I decided to start my own line because during the pandemic, um, I realized if I wasn't able to drop ship a product mm-hmm. to somebody because I couldn't go to work physically, I had no money and no income and no way to work. Mm-hmm. So I started, I had always wanted my own line, but you know, during that time, we were all stuck sitting around. You know, we had the time to actually be creative enough to formulate it and come up with the concept and what we what we wanted it to look like and how we envisioned it to work, you know, whether it was botanical or clinical or spa or organic or vegan or whatever, you know? So I think just looking back, I've worked, I made a list the other day and it was like 25 different skincare lines that I've, that I've either trained with or been certified in. So I think in order to start your own line, you kind of have to work with a lot of different skincare lines and different ingredients and touch all those hundreds of thousands of faces in the treatment room and use those products on people so that they, you know how they work and not only in the back bar in the treatment room, but in the home care for the results that you're trying to achieve with your client. So I had a pretty high standard. I, I have to say that. Yeah, absolutely. And your products are amazing. You've been so generous in sending me so many, but I think Aww, that's thanks. such a such a great point for it because you definitely want to know what is out there on the market before you invest in your own stuff because let us just say it's not cheap. And no, it is not cheap. Yeah, it's you your want whole life savings. <laughs> yeah, it I mean, it it's real. So knowing what is out there and what what edge you could possibly provide with your products is important. Like I remember it's always been my dream as well to come out with products. And I still have mm-hmm. my sketches from esthetician school where I was like doodling oh, my little products so and funny, I was going to call it cocoa rose and have it like coconut <gasps> and rose themed, which really That's wouldn't so be, it was very cute. It wouldn't be the most efficacious line, but I just thought it was amazing. a cute idea, but but it's it. like once once I went through school, started working on people, saw what it took to get the results, I had such a better perspective and and the money I was investing, it made sense because I knew I was only investing in products that my clients needed and that were going to benefit them in the big picture. 
Yes, totally. I agree. Yeah, you put your heart and your soul into it. And you think with all of my experience and all of the different, you know, chemical formulations I've worked with, like what, Mm -hmm. you know, what do I want to create for my clients? Because you know, at the end of the day, they're going to judge it and they're going to use it. And they're going to tell you the truth. So you better do something good. (laughs) Yeah. You better make something good because no, I mean, like, don't embarrass yourself. Yeah. Totally. Go above and beyond. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. For sure. In in court. So you've had a a very long career and you're now pivoting into kind of a new territory. Do you want to explain a little bit further what you're focusing on now? Sure. Um, I just started um, focusing more on virtual only clients because obviously I just made a huge move. I created, um, I built a home spa clinic in my actual house. um, So I don't have to have the overhead of the brick and mortar that I had in Colorado, which I recently moved away from. So, um, so yeah, I created, basically it's the same thing as a regular spa. It's just kind of shrunken down into like a smaller room um, I still have all my retail in here. I have my treatment room. I have my steamer, all my back bar, my products, my equipment. I have everything I had in the spa just shrunken down, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Your setup is so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah and I listen to spa music when I come in here and do my virtual consultations. I try to make the vibe, you know, I light a candle. I try to like have it feel like a, an actual spa when I'm in here. <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> In your you know, new space, uh, or yeah, so I haven't really told anyone <gasps> this, but I told you I was gonna do that. <laughs> I know Court was like, I'm totally the person who ruins the birthday surprise, but I no, do. yeah, no, Sorry. that's okay. No, let it out. Um, I'm starting a treatment room in my new Yay. home, it's not Woo. open yet, but yeah, Court and I have been going back and forth on this and mine's not going to be open to the public it's going to be selective mostly for safety because this is my home and yes. there are times I'll, I'll be here alone so absolutely i want to know the person and have a certain level of comfort with them and, and absolutely i'm mine is very much in the work in progress stage i just feel like i do miss touching faces and i don't want to lose touch with that totally. Yes. And I I am so confident in my virtual consultation process and I kind of resisted this cuz I felt like there's so much pressure from the industry to stay in the treatment room and I I kept getting that question like when are you going back? And I'm mm-hmm. so Sagittarius. I'm like if someone's <laughs> like putting me into a box or a corner like I want to flee. That's just uh-huh. in my nature. Yes. And then when I have the freedom, I'll, I'll probably come back yeah. to it. On so, your own. <laughs> yeah. I would just, I want to have a space to work on people I'm familiar with and um, extend that to my clients if they did want to come in for treatments. So mine's not in anywhere as near finished or perfect as yours is, but... I oh, am no. just sort it's of gonna be amazing. Well, Thank it's gonna you. be amazing. All you need to Thank do you. is go to World Market and decorate get some pillows, some comforters. Me too. I spend way yeah. too much there. Well, so is that you... your favorite? Is that like your favorite spot to get 
Fitness yeah, I decorated my room. whole house with World Market in Santa Fe and my whole treatment room. So that is definitely mm-hmm. my favorite place. And then what okay. I recommend is when you spend there, you get the coupons. So then you spend a little each time you go and you get all the coupons and then you go back and then you keep using the coupons to buy everything. So I have a question for you. What do you miss the most about being in the treatment room? Because I've only been mm-hmm. away from touching clients now for two months and I have severe withdrawals mm-hmm. and I literally cannot wait to extract someone's pores. Like that's the thing Same. I miss the most. That might be mine too. You know, I love the whole process of a, of a facial. I love customizing things and like the tactile experience of touching someone. I do love facial massage, but I will be honest, I don't miss feeling like I'm in this machine where I I worked in a a wonderful spa that has a very high standard, but to give an hour and a half facial where it's 20 minutes of massage per facial for five five facials for me, for my body, it was too much. Too much for somebody with autoimmune problems who like half the days I don't wake up feeling good or having full 100%. energy. So I think just the burnout and when when you start to feel sick from work or your body doesn't feel good, you start to like associate a negative experience with it. And I absolutely me too. Just because it was too too much to be doing that, um, you know, on a yeah. daily basis. Well, that's why I recommend maybe I don't know what your limit is in the treatment room for when you go back, you know, just Mm -hmm. take it day by day, go by feel. But um, for me, what I decided was, you know, my pricing is going to be a little higher and I'm only going to have a limited clientele that I invite. It's by invite only based on like the things you mentioned earlier, feeling safe and, you know, having these relationships. But um, what about like just doing one client a week or one client a month even? Totally. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking I was going to do once I rehab my neck and my back and I decide to open my my home spa clinic back to in-person treatments. I was thinking I'll go back to just announcing that to, you know, whatever, whoever I meet here in Santa Fe that might want to come in and get treatments with me. Um, I'll have to build a clientele here, but I don't want a big clientele, so that'll be, you know, easy just to get maybe like five or 10 people that I can see once a week or once a month or whatever in person. What do you think of that? That sounds amazing. I have, I have my stepmom on the books for for next week, but I still need to go through all the paperwork of making it before I would make it open to, um, you know, like paying, paying clients, um. Yep. There are some things you have to do when you have a home spa clinic, even though you're just working from home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the most important thing you're going to, you know, you obviously want to have a clean, disinfected, sterile space in your home where you can easily mop and bleach and wipe things down and keep it separate from your home, especially if you have like animals or things like that. Um, I think having insurance is really important. I like ASCP. Um, I do their liability and personal property insurance. So if anything happens to your equipment or someone breaks in and steals all your stuff, like they'll replace it for you. Um, if somebody slips when they're in your home, your business will be covered. If you own a business, I, I use my LLC to cover me. So I think that's what you know most people do is you have like an LLC and then you get your insurance. And then if anything happens, the LLC protects you if someone slips and falls in your house 
or um, if somebody breaks in and steals all your stuff, then you call ASCP and you're like, hey, everything was stolen. And then they reimburse you for all of the things that were taken. So that's pretty cool. Have you ever had an experience where you needed to use insurance? Actually, no, I haven't, which sucks because we all pay so much money for it. And most of the time (laughs) we don't need it. That's the thing. That's how they Yeah. Mention. So I think insurance is important. Um, having, you know, like a clean space, um, go to your state board where whatever state you're in and look up their work from home, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, regulations because every yeah. state is different that different. I've worked in. Yeah. And for New Mexico, I think I have to have, um, it might be like a one at a time client only limit and like, um, maybe like a sign on my door and a separate entrance into my spa clinic. Mm -hmm. So there, there's just like a few things you have to look into and make sure you're doing correctly. So you don't get in trouble. Just going to ask, do you feel like there is a stigma as far as home spas? Um, I kind of was worried about that when I decided to do it, but yeah, it's very humbling when your physical body gives out on you, so to speak, and you can't really continue at the pace that you were working at. No, I feel the same way. So I I think it's for me, just, I feel even grateful that I live in a country where I'm allowed to be an entrepreneur and be independent and work when I want to work and have my own business and all of that. So um, I don't know, maybe I just feel grateful for it. So I don't think about that, but I guess there could be people out there that might think that. Because it could be weird, like if you went online to look at a business and like you went to someone's house and you didn't expect that, you know? Shawnee Garden started in her little back studio. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some of the most famous people in the world started their skincare lines in their kitchen. Like what was it? Estee Lauder made her first moisturizer in her kitchen. Wow. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel lucky, but how do you feel yeah. about it? You know, unfortunately, I've heard little things from, I'd say, people who have been in the industry for a long time. But I think with the pandemic, I really think it's changed a lot of things. And I think there's kind of been a stigma about virtual aesthetics, too. And I think it's just like when tough times happen and you have to make a choice of, of certain ways to stay in the industry so you can do what you love, but evolve. I think there has to be room for growth and room for different iterations of this professional title. I mean, even the idea of working in a spa doing five facials five days a week. I don't know if ableist is the right word, but I think we can... I I mean, Mm -hmm. I've just experienced almost feeling like working virtually is looked down upon or having a a home spa is looked down upon, but, Mm. but I also don't feel like I can fit in the peg that is the norm. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Well, and it's so expensive when you have had your own spa for so long. I know a lot of people who are just starting out, it's really exciting and it's so beautiful and you get to decorate it and market it. And it's kind of a flex because you, you're like, Ooh, I have a spa, you know? Yes. (laughs) And I definitely felt kind of like cool when I had my spa for so long, but then now, now I look back on all the expenses and 
I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Look how much money I spent to pay the lease on that and all of the overhead on that. So now that I'm at home, I'm like, all the money I'm making from my virtual consults and my product goes straight to me now. Yeah. So that's, do you feel that way too? It's like you're almost, your profit margin is a little bit better. Right. Right. Well, totally. I mean, we don't even have to get into taxes and all that, but it's like, even at the end of the tax year, I could think I'm making a lot and then get to taxes. Half of it is gone. Yes. (laughs) Of course you have deductions, right? If, if, yeah. Can you write off your rent as an esthetician? Yeah. So I talked to my accountant and my bookkeeper on this. And what you can do is you have to do a math formula of your square footage of your home. Mm -hmm. And you want to take that actual square footage of your room. And that's the amount of your mortgage or your rent or your utilities. So it's kind of annoying, but maybe just have them figure that out for you. But yes, you can write off any expenses that is business only in the physical space of your home that is dedicated to your business. Okay. I mean, that's what I've learned. So again, look, you know, yeah. look into it, talk to your bookkeeper, your accountant, but have you learned anything about that yet with um, starting your new home spa clinic or? You know, so I kind of have the bare bones. My stepmom used to do lash extensions And we're now taking over this lease. We have the extra room. I I still have her treatment table. So it was kind of like too perfect. Like the steamer's there, the table's there. I just can't wait for you to announce it. I know. Well, I guess this is this is the announcement. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. (laughs) Yeah. And I've talked to Brooke, um, who's been on the podcast before, who is an interior designer and an esthetician. Cool. Uh, Velvet Bloom is her handle on Instagram. Oh, yes. I love her. I know. She's so amazing. Such great style. I know. And she's like, let's get on FaceTime. Let me help you. So we may do a little remodel. Yeah. With your branding colors and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. So fun. You better start a Pinterest folder and start putting all your ideas in there. I know you already have, though, I I bet. I know you're right. I need to. So right now I'm kind of focused on my next product launches and there's so much money that's going into those and yes, the design and the photo shoot and the website. So, so yes, I know about deducting those expenses. It's a hundred percent deductible for those kind of expenses, which is good. Yep. And I feel, still think that if people decide to work virtually from home, you know, you still need all the things that a normal spa would have. You still need a great website. You need a great mm-hmm. way for clients to schedule. Um, yeah. Yeah. You need to have all your forms, your intake forms, all that stuff digitally in there for when someone books, they get sent all of your information. They know they have a very clear expectation about where you are, what you know, that you work from home or whatever. Um, what your policies are, your cancellation policies, um, your return policies, things like that. So it's still like it's a regular business. It's still just as much work. I mean, it feels that way. I have a question for you, Court. What do you feel has been the biggest (laughs) obstacle in doing virtual consultations? Or is there Mm. something you feel like you've learned? I really have to set a boundary here. Ooh, yes. Okay. Let me think. 
Definitely for me, virtual, the hardest part is not touching because I am so tactile and I love um, getting into the extractions and seeing what's in the skin under the magnifying lamp and really knowing the skin on that more tactile level. So for me, looking at the pictures, I obviously can do it because I've touched so many people's faces. But um, sometimes when I'm looking at the picture on the screen, like, do you ever just like touch it? You're like, oh, wait, I can't feel it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I don't know. know. So that's hard for me. I'll definitely zoom in on the pores. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish I could just squeeze it. Like I just want to squeeze that pimple. Um, Totally. So I would, I would say that's the hardest part. And then, yeah, I think in the beginning of doing virtual, it was so unknown to me, but I did learn a lot from you. Like I listened to all your podcasts and, you know, I, I honestly learned about how to be a virtual esthetician from you uh, and from being during the pandemic and just like by the skin of my teeth, having to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I would say setting the systems in place was hard at first clients were like, what does this mean? What is a virtual facial? What is a virtual console? Right, right. Um, and it was a little awkward at first, and I, sure. I don't like being on camera as much as some people. So yeah. um, I prefer to, to write things down more. Mm-hmm. So I'm really good at my written. Uh, when I create a skincare routine for people, I do it written first. And it's really long, but I always say you can call me. We can talk, whatever you need to do if you have questions. Mm-hmm. But um, the boundaries thing, um, I nip that in the bud pretty quickly because I got I just get really annoyed easily. And I'm so sensitive that if something really bothers me, like I have to fix it immediately and then just like move on. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if some, a client pushes a boundary and like does something that makes me uncomfortable, I I very quickly just make that not happen again. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm a little intense that way, but that works for me. And so I don't know. What do you think about all that stuff with the boundaries and everything? Totally. I feel like this for me is the hardest thing and I've mentored other estheticians who want to transition into adding virtual services or to just being all virtual the hardest thing I think I've come across is because there's not a physical space there's not a door you're walking through where you can put up a close sign you're almost just like this avatar online on your social media (laughs) So I'd say the hardest part is people sometimes um, don't have a sense of those boundaries. So you have to be extra firm on Mm -hmm. communicating when and how you want to be reached. And even I've realized saying something as simple after an email as let me know if you have any questions I realized one person could view that as one or two questions. Somebody else could view that as endless forever, any, any time of day. So you just, you have to be specific and keep repeating yourself because sometimes you might feel like, oh, I, I stated this in the first meeting or my first email, but the repetition is needed because people forget. And it, it really... I don't put any blame on the client for not understanding. I think it's up to us as the esthetician to define the boundaries so people feel safe and secure and they don't feel weird about reaching out because it's not that I don't want the communication. I I really do want to know how how things are going if I can't 
see your skin and we're only meeting once a month or every two months or even longer than that. There's a lot that goes on in between. So the communication is essential, but you've just got to define the parameters and then don't waver on those because if you waver once, it's just human nature. If you give a mouse a cookie, if you respond on a weekend, people start to assume, oh, she is available on the weekends. And you might be thinking, I'm so annoyed. I'm in Lake Tahoe for Labor Day trying to enjoy, you know, a weekend off. Yep. That's why I love on email, um, the vacation mode. Do you ever use that? You know, I'm going to start. It's the best thing in the world. Uh, So I learned that from um, Tim Ferriss. Uh, I read his book, Four Hour Workweek, and then he interviews like all the top experts in the world. And he's just, he's all about optimizing your time and everything. Um, So yeah, he, when he disappears, like he goes on sabbaticals for like four to six months or three months at a time. I can't remember. Um, And he disappears and goes to like foreign countries. (laughs) It's like you. Yeah, like me (laughs) in Costa Rica. But he puts everything through his um, like email responder, his email mode. So if you email him, you're going to get an email back and it's going to be very clear of when you're going to you know, get a response and how to com- continue to further communicate with him and things like that. So okay. I think, yeah, if you can automate some of those services so yeah. that the client always feels welcome to reach mm. you. But don't, but like, we're not, know that we're not checking it on a Sunday because we're with our families or whatever. Um, So I think that all of that can be in the vacation mode or in the little responder. So when someone emails you on a Sunday, they get that responder back. That little box pops up and goes, hey, I will be responding to this during my business hours or whatever you want to say, you know? Great idea. I need to, I I need to do that. Do you do that at the end of every workday? Um, just you just go vacation. into your Google account and you find your vacation mode and you yeah. actually go in there and you write exactly what you, what you want it to say. And then every person who emails you will get that um, as an instant response or an auto response to any email they send you. Are you doing this like at 6 p.m. on a Tuesday when you're done with work or just when you go on a vacation? Um, I actually keep the vacation mode up all year long and I put it in when they get the the box that pops up after they email me, say, for example, on a Sunday, it will say, thank you so much for your message. I can't wait to speak with you. I am Mm -hmm. back in my studio on Tuesday at 1 p.m. and I look forward to responding to your message or whatever you want it to say, right? Yeah. So that way, say like a client messages you and you're not available then they know, oh, okay, Tess is busy right now, but right. she I'm important to her and like she's mm-hmm. gonna get back to me as soon as she totally. can. Totally. So I don't know. I love I love that. Yeah. Um, I love it's a really that. easy free feature yeah. too. <laughs> totally. I'm gonna start doing that. Yeah. Let me know if you need help finding it. It's kind of True. I had to have my hubby help me find that little box. <laughs> Blair. But you taught me about guy. the Google voicemail thing, which I haven't tried yet. How is ah. that working? It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, as if you, I, I recommend everybody get a separate line just to mentally have separation from your personal messages and, you know, being on the phone to text, text family and friends versus texting clients. So for me, that separation is 
is important. And, you know, if you can do that from the get go, it's so much easier because it is a little more awkward to, to tell clients I've changed my number. This is why please don't use the old (laughs) one anymore. Mm -hmm. So having these systems in place from the get go will save you. Yeah. No, it's really smart. I haven't tried it yet, but I did go to Verizon. They have a spam filter on that you can put on your phone to screen your calls. And then mm-hmm. also I did, what else? I just leave my phone on do not disturb. And I, I only look at it when I want to, or when I, if I see it's from a client, I, I wait until a business day to respond. So, um, I still go through my phone with my business and it, it it works for me, but I know it doesn't work for everybody. And until you put those really strict boundaries, it, um, you know, it could be overwhelming. So maybe, you know, I don't recommend it for everybody, but it, it does work for me. So how about your overall consultation process? Do you have any tips you want to share about what has worked? Oh my gosh, you're the expert at this, not me. (laughs) I want to hear your opinion though, because I'm sure everyone kind of has a different way of doing things. How about like when you have uh, somebody sees your info online, they want to book a consultation with you. What is your process like? Yeah, so they go, maybe they find me on Instagram or they Google me and then they go to my website hopefully and click schedule or go to the service page. And then the service page um, it's literally right. The first service that pops up says a, um, the first step and it's how, you know, it's customizing a skincare routine just for you or something like that. It says, and then you just click on that. And then it says, if you don't see availability, text me or email me and I will send you some available dates just because my calendar right now, I don't really know what I'm doing because I'm doing my physical therapy. So I like Mm -hmm. to have the client reach out to me and then we set up a time and day that works best for them. And then I do everything over email. I have Squarespace website. Um, I wrote up all of my forms. They're all custom made forms that I, you know picked all the questions myself over the years of just like editing my form. These are the questions that work for me so that I can Mm -hmm. help the client. And it's a very long detailed form where they can answer it privately. Um, Once they book the appointment, I send them a link. They put their credit card in to hold their spot um, and it sends them the intake form, all the policies and terms. What else does it say? Um, all the expectations. It basically is the Mm -hmm. most detailed thing ever that I don't have to talk about on a consult because I find that that part can be overwhelming. If you tell a person face-to-face over a video chat, everything they need to know, their face will literally melt and their eyes will cross. (laughs) (laughs) What are your expectations for clients? Um, So... The first thing is, since the product routine is going to be 80 to 90% of the results, I do expect the clients to not only use the products I recommend, mm-hmm. but to purchase them through me. And I make that very yep. clear. I'm clapping in the air. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I'm not going to give you, you, if you come to me for a recommendation, I'm not going to send you somewhere else because that doesn't promote my business and my education. So I can't do that for you. You know? I probably... <laughs> I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't have understood this. Maybe I would have. I don't know. But I could see how somebody is a little confused by that. And like they see it as maybe self-serving. But when you are on the other side and you realize what it takes to 
survive in this industry and to continue to enjoy it because you're able to afford a, a certain <laughs> quality of life, you understand it's so necessary. And I know there are some estheticians who don't mind sending people elsewhere for product, but I have no problem saying that anymore. And I, I used to be a little shy about it. Yeah, I mean, that's our job. That's our livelihood. That's our income. When when I started my DMK account um, a few months back, I spent $4,000 to start that account. I had to not only pay for all the classes, I had to fly to another state to yeah. attend the in-person training. Then I had to learn everything and study it. I had to pass all the tests and then go home and use it all, memorize all the formulations. So I mean, that was a lot for me. And um, if I tell you to use beta gel or DMK melanotech drops, like if you don't purchase it through me, it is a kick in the face. And it's really, you know, it doesn't serve all the education and and money and investment that I put into it as the professional to go and learn all of that for you. So you don't have to decide on your own. So, you know, they get a lot when they buy the product from you, they get a lot from you. They get... Mm -hmm you know, your, your knowledge, your education, they get not during, you know, only during business hours, but if they can ask you any questions about your skincare, like if somebody needs to know about your cleanser and has a question, they, you Mm -hmm. know, if they bought it from you, you're, you're always going to be there for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how I see it. They get more than just the product. They get the professional that's behind the product as well. So that's why they should be loyal to you because you're, you're doing all that for them and they, in, in turn, they should be, you know, purchasing it from you to help you stay in business so you can continue doing what you love. That's kind of how I feel. I feel the same way. And I feel like the, the clients that you want to have are going to understand that wholeheartedly. Have this is kind of a hot yeah. seat question, but have you ever had to explain that to someone or let them go because you felt like they were resistant to that? Yeah, and it, yeah, and I used to feel so sensitive about that, but I just um, think that maybe they're not my ideal client if they don't want to trust my recommendations from the from the get go. Then there's something deeper there about me that you know maybe mm. is not right to be working with them. Like it mm-hmm. needs to be a mutual connection totally. and a mutual match. So maybe I'll just say, you know, I can feel your hesitation that you don't want to invest this much in the skincare, but this is the skincare is what's going to do all most of the results at home for you. So until you're ready maybe to invest in your skin and get the results that we're looking to work on together, mm-hmm. I recommend maybe just taking a little bit of time away and like come back when you're ready and I'm here for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love how you phrased that. I love how you said we and yeah. I love how you said until you're you're ready. It's it's mm-hmm. not pressuring them. It's giving oh. them the choice, but it's also asserting yes. your expectation. Yeah. And then they don't feel bad about it and they know it's in they're empowered yeah. to make their own decision. Like you said, when people mm-hmm. force you in a box, you run. That's what totally. I totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So if, if somebody's gonna make me do something, I'm not I'm might not do it because I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, it kind of puts the ball in their court and reminds them you're here by choice. You came to me by choice. Yeah. This is the route. 
that is is proven kind of in my system to work. So you're kind of you're in or you're out. That's kind of how I see yeah, it. Absolutely. And now that I'm here in Santa Fe and I have my own skincare needs and I can only do so much to my own skin in the treatment room in my house. I look for an esthetician to do my stuff because I like going and getting treatments. So now I'm doing the same thing. I'm researching estheticians that I'm in alignment with that do treatments that I'm in alignment with that know that I already have my own skincare line. So I'm probably not going to invest in theirs and I I need for Mm -hmm. them to be okay with that. So, you know, you just, you have to know what you're looking for. So maybe like Google, do your research, find somebody that you're in alignment with, maybe their principles of how they do business and, you know, you'll find your, your perfect match with your client. So. I want to ask you one question before we get into our listener questions, because I know you have such a high standard of what a great facial feels like. Are there some things you could explain to maybe estheticians or in training or even estheticians who've been in the business for a while? What are some things that you look for and then maybe like some turnoffs in a facial? So I might be a little different because I I blend the spa relaxation results with the clinical treatments because I I like both and I don't I like for them to coexist together. Mm. I don't ever really like to go get a clinical treatment where the room is cold, the bed is cold, the lights are bright. I feel anxiety in that situation, so that doesn't work for me. Some people might not mind that, but for me, it it makes me uncomfortable. So I like to go somewhere where there's like a warm bed, nice light steam, um, maybe some aromatherapy or a candle. I like calm energy. I like peacefulness, tranquility. I don't know. I just, I like like the spa experience Mm. Um, and I like the touch. I like Mm -hmm. the, maybe the massage part or... People might say that's fluffy, but it's like, no, it's not fluffy. It's 5,000 years old Chinese medicine of lymphatic drainage. And, you know, it's been proven that that touch is healing. So I don't think that's fluffy. What do you think? No, yeah, I think it, it really depends what the person is looking for. I'd say like relaxation, if you can have that atmosphere and if you can incorporate massage in a way that doesn't drain you or even just have maybe five minutes of it yes perfect it's gonna be a benefit even to like your most acneic client who's there for a utilitarian purpose like clearing their skin just lying down in a relaxing room yeah having a massage so beneficial but I will say I've definitely had providers that were just more about efficiency not so much massage but they've been excellent at what I came there for. Right, um, to get that like, result. Yeah, Douglas Preston, he doesn't make massage a focal point of the treatment. There's really not massage and it's not what he advertises. Yeah, that's okay. That's yeah. his me, you he, know? He, but he's amazing at extractions and getting your skin clear. So, I mean, that I is irreplaceable that. in my life. Um, yeah, and if you have, have acne and you need that, that's exactly what you need to find a yeah. provider who can give you what you need. Like for me, I'm a kind of a nervous person, kind of a sensitive person. I need that low lighting, calm music. You know, I want to like relax my nervous system when I go to get a treatment because, you know, we're all like stressed out and the pandemic and everything. So 
I think for me, that's just kind of the services that I want to get for myself. So maybe that's totally. why I would do the services that way, because that's like what I secretly want. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to attract probably people who appreciate the same. And then, you know, somebody who's really clearly defining what they do specialize in, that's going to attract the people who are looking for that service. And yep. I mean, Douglas's room is extremely relaxing, extremely peaceful, extremely comfortable. That's that's always important. But yeah, I, love I know that. what you mean. I've definitely been in environments where there's just no atmosphere. Yeah, and I don't it is like distracting. That. Yeah, there has to be a vibe. Totally. We need a vibe. <laughs> yeah. <It's> a vibe. <laughs> yep, definitely. I've I feel like I can't wait to see the vibe that you create in your new treatment room. Brooke. <laughs> Come on over to California. Yeah, I'm excited to create it. Um, yeah. What do you think we get into your Instagram questions? Yeah, I didn't even have time to check, so I don't know. Okay. You could just ask whatever, maybe. Yeah, I'll go to mine. Have. We've got a few. Let's see. Okay, question from Skin by Sylvie. She says, what pre-peel prep products? <laughs> That's a little tongue twister. What pre-peel prep products are a must and is it necessary for all peels Ooh, i Ooh. i don't know the vagueness of that i'm just gonna kind of guess what she means by that does she mean in the treatment room like right before i perform the peel what i would yes. use maybe yes. like the disincrustation like i think she means like have you ever used glymeds pre-treat products I haven't yet because I'm still doing my 100 million hours of Glymed training. <laughs> I'm just chipping away at it. I love it. It's so thorough and informative, but I just have to take it in small doses. So since I'm doing so many other things, totally. but I um, haven't used that product yet. What about, don't you use PCA for pre Yeah, I don't use the retail anymore, but I do okay. use their back bar. Okay. I am obsessed right before I do a chemical peel with, I perform, first of all, I perform my peels like I do facials. And if I use steam, I just put the steam way back in the room. So it's just a light mist. It's not heat. Yeah. Okay. Um, so well, I, because again, I like to do the facial aspect of everything. So I do a double cleanse. I do like to go in with, if their skin can handle it, some kind of a um, mechanical exfoliation, and then I do like to do before I extract the detox gel from PCA and I leave that under steam for like five minutes um, and massage it in. And then when I go in to do the extractions, they fall out. They literally just like water. They just fall out. Mm, fall in the yeah. breath. And again, if they're pregnant or breastfeeding, there is a salicylic in there with, I think it's glycolic and lactic. So you do want to make sure that you do your consultation with the client first. But I do love that treatment right before I do the peel. And then I'll turn the steam off. I'll do the PCA smoothing toner or the nutrient toner, which is their pumpkin toner. And then I will have them fan no, their skin. you sent me that one. Yeah. And then I'll have them fan their skin and I will apply the peel. Um, I will either, you know, depend. I'll customize it however they need, but... Usually I'll do like the PCA. If it's a pigment aging issue, I'll do the PCA peel with hydroquinone and resorcinol. If it's um, a sensitive client with rosacea, I'll do their Sensi peel with lactic acid and TCA. Um, it just depends on the client. But so right mm -hmm. before I do the peel, that's the prep that I do in the treatment room. But I don't know okay. if she maybe meant like the home care 
What do you think? Oh, yeah. I think she said pre-peel. So I think she means like a decreasing solution. So I think you answered but, that perfectly. But let's answer both. If she okay. if she meant like she was about to, they were going to come in for a peel, I would say five to seven days before. I don't want you on any actives. I don't want you to exfoliate. I want you to basically just do, um, you know, non-exfoliating cleanser, um, hydration, moisturizer, hydrating serum, and just keep it in sunscreen and keep it really simple for like the week before you see me and then the week after as well. So, nice. you know, I'm sure Glymed does that. the same thing, right? Pretty mm-hmm. simple. Yeah. Kind of general guidelines. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love peel season. I want to do a peel oh. so bad on someone. <laughs> I'll have to fly in. <laughs> I want you to do a peel on me. I'll fly in and see you. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> okay, the next question is from Skin by Sid. No, oh, this is a good question for you, Cora. I want to hear your answer. Okay, she said, is facial mapping for acne accurate, i.e. the locations and causes for that breakout? I love this question because I, I'm not an expert at all of this, so I don't have the 100% answer, but I have studied Chinese medicine. I did go to Chinese medicine school 20 years ago. I did drop out and not finish it, but I, I learned a ton oh. about the pressure points and all of that. And I do know that facial mapping stems from either a little bit of the Chinese medicine pressure points, or I think it's the Indian Ayurveda. Do you know the difference between the two? the the ayurvedic medicine versus yeah. the chinese medicine i, I think the mapping yeah i didn't know ayurveda was tied to face mapping cuz i think of like the vata like the fire the water signs okay. air yeah so maybe it is all chinese medicine so i guess i'm just confusing the the different principles but if it is chinese medicine based i do 100% believe that it's all linked to the pressure points in the body the body is a whole system it's all connected when you press a pressure point in your shoulder, you can sometimes, you know, feel it in mm-hmm. your foot. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all based on chi or energy. And when you have blockages or stagnant energy, you can mm-hmm. have disease, which can be inflammation, which can be acne. So I think it's completely believable that that could be the case, that that the mapping is legit. What do you think when you look at the chart? Yeah, I actually want to look up the chart right now because I feel like when I look at a face, I can somewhat have an idea of where the congestion is stemming from. I mean, jawline and cheeks, like sides of face, I usually see as either hormonal or perhaps constipation, like being backed up in digestion, gut health forehead i usually see it related to sweating working out hair product dry shampoo Mm -hmm. not washing hair frequently um yeah sides of face oftentimes it's like the acne cosmetica Mm -hmm. cheeks i do think can be very linked to like primers blush bronzer depending on where it is um and then also looking at like where the oil glands are so i'd say i like kind of have my a little a little different Your own. version of face mapping, but let's look up. Yeah. I want to see. What yeah, the... look it up. I want to see because I, I do know 100% when I do see the cystic in the jaw, you know, mm-hmm. that's normally an indication of a hormone imbalance in the endocrine system or um, like you said, like a digestive gut flora thing yeah. imbalance. 
I mean, I agree with a lot of this, but it's difficult because you're, I mean, there's face mapping, but it face mapping doesn't specify acne, right? Like, there's a section, like, above the eyebrow that says heart or bladder. So that's why I think in Chinese medicine, all the pressure points are linked to like the different organs and things like that. So Uh maybe like the jaw would be indicative of a connection to the stomach or the liver or the pancreas or whatever the the filtering organs are in the body. Is that right? Sure. Like the detox organs? Yeah. The excretory organs, like your kidneys, your liver, yeah, um, they're saying dark circles is related to kidneys. Yeah, I can see that. Or when somebody has really puffy eyes, like usually isn't that like like bloat and things like that could be really – what does it say for under the eye? Let's see. Um, this is so interesting. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of Yeah, it really is interesting. Kidney and, and – yeah, kidney is under eye. Yeah. Yeah, and your kidneys filter all the fluids through you. So maybe if you're bloated and you have really a lot of puffiness and water, you know, in the bags under the eyes, maybe it, it you need to drink more water or you had too much yeah. salt or things like that. I think it's like maybe 90% Totally. True. I think you have to take some of it with a grain of yeah. salt. Like it's saying totally. forehead is related to the heart, wrinkles or redness in these areas may indicate high blood pressure. I don't know if I agree with that. Usually it's just, you know, we have a lot of movement from Yeah, well you're uh, studying nutrition. You're studying all your nutrition stuff now, so you would know more than anybody if it's all linked or connected. But I do believe the body is a whole system. I mean, and you and I, Court, we're like a little we like the hippy dippy stuff a little bit. Like we'll take it with a grain of salt. And we're just as much about like the clinical give us the The science. Yeah. We like both. We're a blend. Totally. We We're a hybrid. Hybrids. <laughs> Hybrids. Yes. That was a good question, though. That Let's was a great question. Um, oh, I'm getting a lot now. Okay. Um, is there a certain kind of moisturizer you should or shouldn't use with benzoyl peroxide? Oh, my goodness. See, I'm not <laughs> as much of a stickler with formulation stuff because it varies from brand to brand. So mm-hmm. I... It is so strong. It's such a powerful ingredient that I don't ever use a moisturizer with BP or have my clients do the same. I usually just have them use it in a cleanser format so they can wash uh, it off. Okay. Um, do you have any cleansers that are BP that they leave on? Or, or sorry, you know, moisturizers? Um, uh, as far as leave-on products, I usually always use a serum and... I think usually like a decent hydrator is solid. I think what this question is kind of pointing at, there was something going around on Instagram this week that you should not use moisturizer after benzoyl peroxide. Huh. And a bunch of people were sending it to me and asking, you know, what I thought. And I sent it to the brands I work with because I wanted to get their feedback. None of them really agreed with it. And they all felt a moisturizer was necessary after BP because you would be so dry totally I mean mean, you've got to support the the skin with actives so I I mean I haven't heard from them evidence that the moisturizer would cancel out the benzoyl peroxide and 
you know, if that was the case, how would they have all these clinical trials if that's how the products are designed? I do know in PCA, the only leave on BPO product is their acne spot treatment BPO. Um, And I always had the client put it on as the last step. So Mm -hmm. because it could cake and get a little thick um, and again, bleach your pillows and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it doesn't really maybe play well with others. I I could see how people would see that. It's kind of an aggressive product if it's not formulated or buffered properly. Yeah. Well, which I would think, I mean, that's kind of why you need the hydration, right? Yeah, that I agree with that. I don't know. I need to know more about that. But I could see how, I'm just guessing here, but if you mixed um, a BPO moisturizer with a salicylic or a retinoid, I don't know if, again, I know you use Jane, uh, Jane Marini and she has a great formula, but most formulas don't incorporate all those ingredients together because they're totally. too powerful. Totally. So... I don't know. Okay. Let's see. Ooh, another one you might be able to answer with all your background working. You worked for for medical spas and and didn't you work for a plastic surgeon once? I did. I did. I moved to Florida for a year and I worked at um, a plastic surgery center and I learned everything about plastics and about being a medical esthetician and lasers and, you know, injectables and all that stuff. So it's definitely not my vibe, but I'm so grateful to know what I know about it because I think it's good to just kind of learn everything you can. Yeah. Okay. There's a question from Hannah Skin Therapy. She said, how do you go about treating skin on certain prescription drugs slash topicals? What are the most common ones? Hi, Hannah. I think I know who she is. You probably do. She's the sweetest. She's so sweet. I think she does PCA too. An angel. Yes, she does. Yeah, I just saw her posting the Scentsy Peel. Hi, Hannah. (laughs) So wait, sorry. It was like a a trifecta question. I know. (laughs) So I think she's basically asking like, what are the commonly prescribed topicals, perhaps like clindamycin? Spironolactone. Uh, tretinoin or retin-A. Yeah. How do you kind of work around Um, those? Do you ever have clients coming to you on those topicals? And if so, how do you? Yeah, I I have had a lot of experience with this um, just in my own spa. So I will work with a dermatologist if they have the client on all of these medications, but it's really hard for me because I can't introduce a lot of actives and do a lot of appeals because their skin, it's contraindicated and I can't get the result that I'm looking for. So I get really frustrated. So what I end up doing is saying, you know, go ahead and do the round with the dermatologist of all these medications, I guess, that you want to try for your acne. Or if you decide with your doctor to get off of them, I want you to come to me and I want to, I want to be your acne specialist and just do this with home care and, and treatments only. Um, I do kind of feel like it's one or the other, because if I just help the client who's on all this medication, like I said, I can't really do a whole lot and it's boring for me and um, frustrating for everybody, I think. What do you think about that? Yeah, I was just saying I've definitely, I encounter this all the time, specializing in acne. I have a lot of clients that come to me from dermatologists and ethically, I always do want to support the the doctor and the, the prescriptions they have recommended, but I agree mm-hmm. it's usually a situation of 
how long has have you been on these are you are you wanting to see it through and if if it hasn't been very long like say they've been on tret for two months i'm gonna say why don't why don't you stay the course you know let's see how far you get i'd say most of the time like by the time people have already reached out and who they're coming to me they're ready to get off the antibiotics which yes you develop resistance to anyway and i i have i've been talking about this a little bit on tiktok lately but i feel like with tret it can work amazing for an acne prone person and it can be all they need but then there are definitely people who kind of come to a head with it and they just feel like it's not fully managing the acne and because Tret is so strong, it doesn't leave a lot of room for other yeah. angles. It doesn't play well with others. No. So yeah, I think it kind of depends how long somebody has yeah. been on, on the products. But I'm the same way. Like the client has to understand the reason is not because I don't want to, you know, work with yeah. other products or because I'm saying you can only be on my topicals. It's more of a situation where there's only so much room. The active ingredients are really what's going to help us. Or, yeah, totally. Or I've, I've seen they come to me over-prescribed or just using all the topicals that are um, maybe compromising their skin for whatever reason. Um, and then I spend all of, they spend all their money with me just trying to um, relax their barrier, their barrier function True. and getting it back to normal. And they're just red peeling aggravated, you know, and so it's, again, I'm not helping them with their acne because they're coming to me now for the compromise barrier. So it's kind of like a waste. I don't know. I don't, I'm just at this point with the amount of energy I have, I want somebody who's like fully invested and ready to go. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I am the same way. And I usually explain that. And I think if people have already sought you out, I think they kind of already have the understanding like that might be what she's going to say so that I can get the full experience with her. The only scenario when, you know, I'd say let's kind of stick it through is if like they've been on it for a good length of time where they might as well like stay the course for a couple more months. But usually what Mm -hmm. happens is they, they're kind of like over the medication and they're ready to just go all in. Maybe just start skincare first, like find an esthetician, try to heal it with your home care first and the treatments. And then if that doesn't work, I think you should incorporate um, a dermatologist into your program. I don't know if you should do it the other way around because you might just, it's too complicated for everyone involved. Yeah. But you but we can work with it and we will, you know. It just depends on the person. If they were compromised, I would definitely help them with just the calming, cooling, you know, ingredients and products. I bet your cleansers are perfect for that. Totally. Do you have any questions that you wanted to look at or what do you think? No. I mean, the only question that I ever have is like for you cuz I okay. think you're so interesting. Um, (laughs) but I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's, I just had a question pop into my head. That was, what is your most memorable skincare treatment that you've ever had and describe it clinical or spa based that I've received? 
Yeah. And it could just be a memorable one that pops into your head. It doesn't have to be like your favorite or anything like that, but just okay. like one that pops into your head that you're like, I really loved how my skin looked after that. Or I loved, yeah. you know, the results that I got from that or whatever, or the experience mm-hmm. when you were in there with the person. And if, if that's like, that's if that's question. too much pressure, no, that's I the only question I have. Few. I mean, just a few for different reasons. I mean, most recently I got my cherry angiomas <laughs> lasered and that was so satisfying oh. to watch because they yes. literally just disappear. And it's like, I love that. It's crazy when something's bothered you and like you sat with it for years and it's just gone. Pretty cool. Yes. It's like <laughs> gratification. Yeah. Like why did and I struggle for so long? I with know. That? Seriously. Yeah. I just didn't know it was possible to remove them. I think um, I saw that on your story. She zapped it. Right? Yeah. On your hand. Taylor. Uh-huh. Oh, so cool. Yeah. That was cool. I recently got a facial from Agent RX, which was really Ooh. awesome. He did a hydrofacial and oh, I love that. He's just amazing. That was, oh, I'm so, so jealous. Cool. I know you've I got see to him. see Josh. I'm He's going so to good. when I go to California for my grandma's memorial. I'm gonna try to book something yeah. with him. Oh, yes. that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So maybe those two. What about you? Oh gosh, I didn't even think for myself. Um, <laughs> I know it's hard, huh? I will say now that I've moved here, I'm going. There's a lot of spas here in Santa Fe. Um, it's kind of known as like a wellness mecca. There's a lot of hot springs Love and that. Re- yeah, relaxing places to go retreat to for yourself. So I think I'm gonna book um, Ten Thousand Waves, which is a spa that's only like 15 minutes <gasps> away, and they have these Japanese organic facials. And you wear a big robe and you walk around (gasps) these koi ponds and you go get the most amazing facials. So I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, let me know how it goes. And then maybe I can come back, come with you for the next one. Oh, yeah, definitely. We should do a spa retreat, esthetician style. So good. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got the heat. So you can be a little lizard. And it's, I didn't know it was known for wellness. It's known for what? I didn't know it was known for like wellness and yeah, it has a really spiritual, peaceful kind of vibe here. Um, A lot of artists, a lot of musicians, um, a ton of spas. It has the Native American, you know, kind of culture with the Hispanic culture mixed in. Mm -hmm. So it's a really unique blend of everything. It's a great melting pot. I love it here so much. Oh, cool! I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm happy for you. Thank you. And Figuring thanks, it out. No, thanks we for go. doing this so last minute. Thanks for of being course. with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me and talking with me about skincare. You're always invited to talk about Aww. skincare. <laughs> thanks, Tess. Love you You're so much. Welcome. You're the I best. I love you. Please tell <laughs> us before you go, where can where can we find you as far as your services, social media? So I'm on Instagram, Alpenglow Skin Spa, and um, I have like a personal page, Courtney Parkhill Skincare, but that's just more where I post like my real life stuff. So if you want to see all my skincare and spa stuff, that's on my business page. Um, And then I have a website, alpenglowskinspa.com, where you can shop my products or get a virtual console or virtual peel or maybe an in-person treatment here in the next few months. Thanks, Court. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Bye.